Well, that was a good way to begin what we would like to experience today, um, getting our brokenness pushed aside and really experience the beauty that God has for us in his forgiveness and his love. I'm Paul, and I'd like to welcome you to Mariner's Church, and this is a good day to connect with us as we're going to be talking about something that is 100% common to 100% of the people, um, pretty much 100% everywhere, and that would be brokenness and mistakes and, and sin and then the guilt that goes with it. And we want to talk about how to work through all of those things that we experience when we, when we crash and burn. If you're just joining us, we are um, looking at some of the Psalms in the Bible. Uh, Psalms is a popular book. Uh, Psalms are like God's playlist, God's iTunes of songs that he's placed for us in the Bible. They are songs, and just like our songs, there are all different kinds of them. There are the don't worry, be happy songs. There are the sad songs that say so much. There are the good time, Charlie's got the blues type songs, and there's songs of praise, and there's songs when you're just um, mad and want to do something about it. Pretty much every part of your life is revealed in the songs that we would call the Psalms. Now today we're going to talk about a, a sorry song, a, a I done wrong song. Someone has messed up big time and we're going to see how badly. And the question would be when you've messed up that bad before God in life, how do you even begin to come back? I mean, how do you even start? to pull your world back together again. And as I was studying, I, I came across uh, just a very brilliant um, message by John Piper, and it was just wonderful, and if there's anything good that I say, let's attribute it to him. But let's take a moment and pray, okay? So Lord, I, I thank you for these moments that we have now in this time, and I would pray that not a single person that is listening that is watching would feel the guilt any longer, um, that they would find the forgiveness and the grace that you would give and want to give us. And so guide my words and guard this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Question, um, what makes you a Christian? What makes a person a Christian? It's not that, that I never mess up or sin. It's not that I'm never tempted. It's not that I'm never discouraged and because of that discouragement or frustration act out. What makes you and I a Christian is our connection with Jesus Christ. My relationship with him. My forgiveness through him. That's what makes us, that's what makes me a Christian. And this affects how I think about my problems and how I think and feel about my temptations, and it, it affects how I think and feel about my guilt and, and how I crawl out of the messes because I've sinned. And Psalm 51 is actually a somebody-done-somebody-wrong song. Now, everybody, uh, every song that was ever written was written for a reason. There's a feeling, there's a situation that's going on. And the story behind this one is very, very raw, and very, very real. It's written by David, and it's because of a situation that David got himself into. Let me read 
what the Bible says, the background of Psalm 51. Late one afternoon, after his midday rest, David got out of bed and was walking on the roof of his palace. As he looked out over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. He sent someone to find out who she was, and he was told, She's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah, the Hittite. Then David sent messengers to get her, and when she came to the palace, he slept with her. Then she returned home. Later, when Bathsheba discovered that she was pregnant, she sent David a message saying, I'm pregnant. Now, now, all kinds of alarms, boo-boo, boo-boo, should be going off with this one. Um, it gets worse, actually, as David brings her husband back from the battlefield because he was off fighting a war that David should have been helping fight. And he brings her husband back strategically because he wants her husband to sleep with her, and, and then everyone will think that he got her pregnant. But that doesn't work out. So David pulls some strings and have has him sent back to the front lines of the battlefield and gets him killed. And you just think, holy cow, David. Or unholy cow, David. I mean, you count his sins. Lust and murder and rape and cover-up and usurping of power and lying. And then there's one of the most understated verses, the most understated sentences in the Bible. It says... The Lord was displeased with what David had done. And it's like, yeah, you think? So, so what are we thinking? I mean, I, you read this account, you read the story, I read this account, and, and I was thinking, man, if, 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 that's, if, if that's David, I'm a saint compared to that guy. And then I also think, what's David going to do? It says this, then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, yes, but the Lord has forgiven you. Now, now, does God just sweep it under the carpet? Does God just, you know, kind of push it under the rug and like it's no big deal? Um, that sin that David committed was actually placed upon Jesus Christ. And the pain and punishment that David deserved went on Jesus. Jesus died for the sins of all including this one. And the good news about that is if Jesus died for that sin and those sins that David did, then he can die for yours as well. Jesus died for the sins of all. Jesus said, it's finished, over, done. And that was a tremendous sacrifice, and as finished means it's done. God does not hold David's sin against David, just as he doesn't hold your sin against you. Uh, we sang, I am a sinner. If it's not one thing, it's another. But you are a what? Jesus, you're a savior. What does a savior do? Savior saves. But I'm human. Okay, you and I, we're, we're, we're human. And I got to walk through the, the, the challenges of temptation and the problems when I fall and the issue of sin and when I mess up and when I screw up. 
and, and what it does inside me and, and all of those kinds of dynamics. And sin has always ruined the closeness I have with God, and we want to get it back. It ruins my closeness with others. It, it destroys it, and we want to kind of get it back. And so what's the process? I mean, how do you go through that? The very thing that keeps me from God and from others, I do it, and I hate it, and, but then I go back and I, and I do it again. Before I recorded this, somebody had put in my box a, 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 some sweet tarts, you know. These weren't just any sweet tarts. No, no, no. These were actually sweet tarts, extreme sour. And, and I haven't had dinner yet, and so I'm, I'm thinking, well, why not? And so, so I, I took one, and I tasted it, and I'm thinking, God, yeah, you know, what is this stuff made with, with bleach? You know, because it just tasted nasty. And so I looked at the ingredients. It's made with acid. I mean, there's acid in this kind of stuff, you know. And so I finished that one, and I thought, well, I, I wonder what the next one tastes like. It tasted worse. And then I wondered what the next one tasted like, you know. And I kept shoving them aside, but I kept pulling them right back. And I thought, boy, isn't that too much like the stuff that's just nasty in life? We realize it's not particularly good for us. It doesn't always taste that good, but it's there. How do you process this sin stuff? I mean, how are we supposed, how are we supposed to do that? How am I supposed to think and feel and work through the sin? And that's what Psalm 51 is about. David's processing through the sin, his feelings and his emotions that kind of should trigger the feelings and emotions that we have. Psalm 51 is a favorite, unfavorite song of mine. It's so good, but I usually go to it when things are so what? When things are so bad. But here's the steps to come back. These are what God will tell us. First of all, number one, um, helplessly turn to God for your only hope of mercy. I have to helplessly turn to God. When I've sinned, I helplessly have to turn to God for my only hope, the only hope of mercy. He says this. He starts out by saying this in the psalm. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. For me, I have to helplessly turn to God, and that's a key word because I know it's true. My only hope is for mercy. Not, I'll do better next time, because I know when the next time comes, I'll take another sweetheart, you know? It's not that I'll do better next time. Why not? Because I said that the last time. Today it means turning to Jesus for help, like every time. Asking God for help every time. Second thing, Boy, admit how serious it really is. He says this, For I know my transgressions, my sin, it's always before me. It's, it's like it's right, it's right here. He sees how serious it is. It's like a bad song you can't get out of your head. He keeps replaying it and replaying it and replaying it. It's like the bad TikTok video that keeps going on again and again and again. And again, the shopping list of what David did. We're, we're talking rape, murder, cover-up, adultery, lust, 
a family was destroyed, the baby that, that Bathsheba's pregnant with will die. It's like he needs to see how bad it is before he can see how to get out of it. In no way is he going to minimize or does he want to minimize the damage that was done. Um, I was meeting with this husband and, and he was husband and father. He was in our church this a number of years ago and he had an affair. And, and I, I hate that word affair. I hate it. Because it, it minimizes that which is so devastating. Um, he had had an affair. He had violated his promise to his wife. He had humiliated her. He had caused her shame, feelings of abandonment, feeling unloved and unprotected. He destroyed their intimacy that they shared. He tore the unity apart. She was devastated and scarred. And we sometimes just want to call it an affair. And, and after this was all kind of blowing apart and trying to pull the pieces back together again, we, we were meaning to try and repair it, to try and, and, and put something back together again. And his response was this. He says, I don't know what her problem is. Last night I finally said, sorry. What more does she want? And, and I didn't know whether... To puke or cry or punch him. You know, I didn't know which one of those things was the appropriate response at the time. He destroyed her life, her self-esteem, her self-respect, her security. And his response is, sorry? And, and there are values and principles that God has put into place. And those values and those principles are for our health and our safety and for life to thrive for us and for others that we're around. And, and when my friend went against those principles, he not only kind of, you know, just thumbed his nose at his wife, he essentially flipped off God. He said, God, I don't need you, nor do I care about your rules. And I'm going to use God, I'm going to use your world and the people you've created as my own little private playground for me and for what I want. And that's why you understand sin is a really bad thing. No matter what it is, no matter when it is, it's saying, God, to heck with your rules. To heck with the way that you've designed things. I'm going to use what you have created, what you've blessed me with, I'm going to use it for what I would want in my own life. And that's why David says this, against you, God, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Of course he knows that he sinned against Bathsheba and her husband and all these other people around. Of course he knows that. But right now he sees the core problem. He sinned against God. Next thing we, we need to do, we also have to replace, replace guilt with sorrow. I, who likes feeling guilty? Ugh, I don't. Um, and there's a problem with feeling guilty. And the problem with feeling guilty is guilt doesn't do very much. It doesn't do very much at all for me to change my life. Guilt is all about me, you know, my feelings. And I'll do what I can 
try to get rid of the guilt and make myself feel better about it. And, and, and that's what guilt does. If as long as I don't feel guilty, then, well, then I'm okay. But once I don't feel guilty, I end up doing it all over again because it doesn't address the real problem. And some of us, that's why change hasn't really happened yet, is because when we're caught, we feel guilty. But it goes no farther than that. And, and, and God, when you read the Bible, God seems to see guilt as more of a problem than a solution. It's a problem to be solved rather than a solution to fix anything. And, and there's a much better way. Guilt, again, if it's all about me and how bad I am, um, we have to replace that with something else. And we have to replace guilt with, with sorrow and with remorse. And sorrow and remorse is not about me. It's more about the person that I've hurt or the God that I've hurt. Guilt's about me. It's about how I'm feeling. Sorrow and remorse are more, I have damaged a relationship with you, God. And I have sorrow that I did that. And I have sorrow that I've chosen to not depend upon you and your grace and your strength to help me through. God is into the reality of what we've done and the, and the brokenness that it has caused. And so there, there's a verse in the Bible that helps us with this. It says this, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Consider what godly sorrow has produced in you, earnestness and eagerness to clear yourselves. So when my friend, we were sitting down talking, and he said, what more does she want me to do? My response was, die. <laughs> die. She wants you to die. She wants you to die to yourself. And live for her. She wants you to live for her so much that it just kills you that you hurt her. That's what she wants. And it kills us that we walk away from God. That's sorrow. That's grieving and sorrow. Moves on. We ask for and receive cleansing. He says this, wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sins. And I'll be clean. Wash me, I'll be whiter than snow. And this has been done through Jesus Christ. And if you've placed your trust that he was punished as your substitute, it's been done. It's It's over. And if God could do it for David and that long list of things he's done, then he can do it for you and for me. And we want to say, well, that's it? That's it? That's all I have to do? Isn't that too easy? It's easy for us. But it was hard for Jesus. And he died on the cross for that. And do you really think that you want to try and pay the price for your sins? 
it's kind of a, either I take God's forgiveness through Jesus or I have to do it on my own. And please, please, please stop listening to those false voices that say you can't be forgiven for what you've done. Don't listen to those. The Bible says very clearly, so now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. None. And then finally, plead for renewal. Plead for renewal. The song goes this. Song 51 says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. It's God, make me new. Just, just make me new. Then, God, I can be who you want me to be. Then I, I can. And now it's kind of like the, hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song make me feel at home we did wrong I mean it's okay to say it David said it I did wrong I, I do wrong I do it against the God who loved me so much and, and there's that old term sometimes churches use and, and the term is getting right with God. Get right with God. And it means get your wrongs taken care of. Make sure that you've brought them before God so he can forgive. You've confessed and cleaned and taken care of it. And, and there is no reason for you at all to leave this time, this moment, not right with God. Jesus makes sure of that. And, and in a moment, we're going to take a second to pray. And I would ask that you would use that moment to get right with God. Meaning, take a, an inventory or a view of, of your sins, of your life, of your yesterday or last night or last week or last month or the ongoing thing that's just struggling with it. You just think, how could God even begin to think of me because of what I've done. And the answer is, well, he thought of David. He thought of David a lot. So much so that when Jesus was on the cross, dying for sins, he was dying for David's sin. He thinks of you a lot. So much so that when Jesus was on the cross, he had your sin in mind and saying, I love you that much that I will die for what you've done. Would you bow your head with me, please? Um, maybe there's an issue, a situation that you feel is just too dark for God to even consider. You're thinking about it now. He knows what you're thinking. He knows that is forgivable once you place it upon him and ask him to forgive and acknowledge, recognize that Jesus died even for that sin. Maybe never ever in your life have you understood a God who loves that much. Maybe always God's been some kind of a judge that you're always hiding from or having to hide everything from or make excuses. No excuses needed with this God. None. He knows your sin. He knows your heart. 
and he knows right now that you want to come to him and get right with him. And on a cross, Jesus died, paying the penalty for what you did, and that's the love that God has for you. And maybe right now you need to say, I accept that for me. Take my sin from me, Jesus. And if you're a Christ follower, maybe you've walked away from God and gotten involved in some kind of stupid stuff. And you're thinking, well, I've already known Jesus and now I've walked away from him. He could never want me back. Of course he does. His love is greater than you can imagine, than any of us could imagine. Come back. Come back to him. His arms really are open for you. And so, Lord, we thank you that you renew always, forever, and that we could have clean hearts. And we thank you for that so much, so much, in Jesus' name. Amen.